have it. Okay, the network is with us. We are launching into Free Talk Live, your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, though we are going to open things up here tonight with a special guest. Joining you this evening, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. A special guest on the lines. He is Judge Andrew Napolitano. Uh, Judge Napolitano, are you with us? Gentlemen, I am uh, with joy and delight for sharing your airwaves with me. Well, welcome um, welcome to Free Talk Live. We're it's, happy to have you, Judge Napolitano. Yeah, it's great to Thank have you, you here. Uh, I want to first of all uh, start by thanking you and the crew over there at Freedom Watch, which is your Fox News internet television program. It's uh, It airs on a weekly basis, I believe 2 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, FreedomWatchOnFox.com is the website. Did I get all that correct so far? You did. 2 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday, and uh, we've really, really been picking up a lot of support. It's very helpful for the ideas that we all share uh, and for the, um, how can I say it, future uh, ability to get these ideas out to an even broader office that people uh, log on and do so as frequently as their hearts desire. Well, and, and uh, in, in other ways to uh, achieve freedom more so in the future, uh, I have joined the Facebook group, Judge Napolitano for 2012, and I'd like, to, I'd like to encourage all my listeners that are interested in that possibility to uh, join that Facebook group. What do they want me to do group. in 2012? What's that? <laughs> What do they want me to do they want in you, 2012? They want you to run for president so that, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, Ron Paul is going to be a, a very old man at that time, and he is not likely going to run for any office, let alone the office of president. Somebody needs to pick up the ba- the torch. I feel like you're the best qualified guy out there. Well, well, you're very generous to say that. I'm not going to uh, ask Ron you Paul if you're willing to. Man. He is. Ron, Ron Paul is, a, uh, is an epic figure. Uh, in the freedom movement and has uh, broken a lot of ceilings and burst a lot of bubbles, if you'll pardon those rather uh, banal examples, but he has. Uh, And he has shown that when you're decent and honest and appeal to something that exists in every human being, which is the love of freedom and the desire to be left alone, the greatest freedom there is after the right to live, people will respond to it. The, the Republican establishment was stunned at the number of people who supported Ron Paul and the enthusiasm with which they did and the continued support that the freedom movement enjoys uh, that was started by his campaign. Well, you know, it certainly was. Uh, many people were uh, started in the freedom movement by um, his campaign. I personally was on the air doing uh, Liberty stuff before that, and one of, but, but before I went on the air, I got a book from my uh, then fiancé that I asked for. The only thing I asked for for Christmas was Constitutional Crisis by Andrew Napolitano. A constitutional I got Chaos? In, uh, I'm sorry, Chaos, excuse me. Um, in, uh, 2000 and, <laughs> in 2002, uh, Christmas, I, I got that, or 2001. I'm, I'm a little confused, but it was right when it came out, and uh, it was before we went on the air, so it must have been 2000. 2001. And I, that sort of got me uh, started on the, the trail to liberty. So actually, you've managed to get some people started in the uh, path. Well, of liberty. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, it's, it's the story of how the government breaks its own laws. And it was an eye opener for a lot of people. It was even an eye opener for me, even uh-huh. though some of it is uh, is autobiographical. And I was personally involved in some of these yep. uh, events uh, related in the book. Uh, but the public needs to know that the government is not your friend and that an unbridled government, one that doesn't recognize the natural law, one that doesn't recognize the Constitution, one that doesn't even recognize the laws that it has written and it has sworn to uphold, 
is a danger to everybody's freedom and everybody's property. Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, that's one of the things I wanted to start out by, not only thanking you for having the Freedom Watch television show, but for also having uh, one of our co-hosts here on Free Talk Live on from his jail cell, uh, Sam Dodson, who, I mean, another perfect example of the government people just making up the rules as they go along, as you well know, thrown in a jail cell for daring to uh, exercise his so-called freedom of the press in a, in a public court lobby. I just want to well, thank you for you and your crew well, for having it, Sam on. It, it was good having Sam on. I understand he's out. I don't know legally how it ended. I understand he was basically arrested for refusing to be arrested, uh, which which is ridiculous, but it's what the police do when you're a nuisance to them, and people who are nuisances to the police are usually exposing something that they're doing, and that's what Sam was doing. And uh, yeah. Sam helped me coin uh, a phrase, which is the camera is the new gun. And when I love you're that. dealing with the government, just film everything that you do, whether you're going to get a marriage license, uh, whether you're dealing with a county clerk, whether you're getting a driver's license, or whether you're dealing with the police, film everything you do because it's the greatest disinfectant there is, yep. which is the eyes of the public on the government. I completely agree. Let's get to your new book, because, Mark, you mentioned constitutional chaos. That's from back in the early part of this decade. Right. What's what's available right now? Dred Scott's Revenge. I um, jumped at the opportunity to be able to, to get this book to, as a review copy, and uh, it's it, it is as good and as uh, compelling of a read uh, from Andrew Napolitano as uh, as Constitutional Chaos. I have been in, enjoying it. Why don't you uh, hey, pitch in, us? What is it? What yeah. is the Dred Scott's what, Revenge? Well, Dred Scott is a metaphor for for government thinking it could do anything it wants. And Dred Scott, of course, was born as a slave in Virginia, and as an adult finds himself freed in Illinois and then re-enslaved in Missouri. And he files a lawsuit claiming that he was uh, a free person. And the lawsuit has a 10-year tortuous history, but it eventually makes its way to the Supreme Court of the United States, which could have ruled that once a slave, always a slave, or could have ruled once set free, always free. But instead, it came up with the worst of all possible rulings, which is that it couldn't hear the case, because Dred Scott was not a person, and only persons can file lawsuits before uh, federal courts in the United States of America. Now, that is an example of positivism, a theory of law which simply states the law is whatever the lawgiver says it is, and it is an utter rejection of the natural law, which teaches that our rights come from our humanity, and our rights to live and think and speak and worship and travel, our right to be left alone, our freedom from unreasonable restraint, our right to privacy, our right to travel, these are, are part of our humanity. They don't come from the government. And it can't be taken away from the government unless we're convicted of violating somebody else's rights. So I trace this metaphor through the prism of race from the slave trade to the election of Barack Obama and show how at so many turns, at so many opportunities, the government, your government and mine, had one set of law for white, laws for whites and one set of laws for blacks. I mean, the father of the country... One of the first pieces of legislation he signed was the Fugitive Slave Act, which allowed people in states where there was no slavery immunity from kidnapping, for kidnapping runaway slaves, and compelled the owner to pay a ransom to the kidnapper when the slave was returned. Ugh. Wow. You know, um... So, look, I mean, I start out with that. I, I, I proceed up to the Civil War. I demonstrate that Lincoln didn't free the slaves. I demonstrate, I think, that Lincoln uh, killed more Americans than, than all wars uh, combined. That slavery mm. would have died a natural uh, death as it did in Brazil and Puerto Rico and yeah, uh, England the world. and France. Yeah. 
Yeah, we pointed that out so many times, and it's so hard but for Americans to hear it. I can assure you but, of that. And it's so hard for Americans to hear it because they've been going to these government schools or indoctrination centers, whatever you want to call them, that have been just telling them over and over again that the Civil War was all about freeing the slaves, when in point of fact, Abraham Lincoln really could have cared less. Or Listen, have cared the, less. the Emancipation Proclamation was issued in two sections. The first section purported to free the slaves in certain states, and the second section specifically authorized and enforced slavery in four states, in the city of New Orleans, and in six parishes surrounding New Orleans. I would guess that most Americans would be shocked to learn that. I would also guess that most Americans would be shocked to learn that Lincoln said many times he did not believe in the equality of the of the races. He actually paid a person $250,000 to bring 5,000 slaves to Africa to found a new country in the hopes that their brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins uh, would follow them. The Civil War was fought because Lincoln feared the loss of federal revenue, the principal source of which was tariffs collected at ports. And think about it. Most of the ports, starting with Wilmington, Delaware, and going to Houston, Texas, were in the states that seceded and thus denied Lincoln the money that he needed to run his burgeoning big government. Judge Andrew Napolitano, I want to thank you for taking the time out to be on Free Talk Live tonight. I know you've got a busy schedule, so have a great night. Pleasure is mine, guys. Thank Thank you, sir. Keep up the good work. And the book again is Dread Scott's Revenge, A Legal History of Race and Freedom in America. More Free Talk Live is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Are you an active free stater living in New Hampshire? Are you and your family moving to New Hampshire in the near future? A new web series about the Free State Project is currently casting. Interested? Send us a short video about yourself. Tell us what you're doing or planning on doing to achieve liberty in your lifetime. Show us what makes you interesting. Upload your video to YouTube and send the link to fspwebseries at gmail.com. Don't have a video camera? Ask about other submission options. fspwebseries at gmail.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features we give away, so enjoy those. And they include, by the way, the chat room. Uh, go to chat.freetalklive.com. Join up in the public chat. Of course, amplifiers, Free Talk Live amplifiers. Get access to the special amp-only chat room. Uh, anyway, it's all free at chat.freetalklive.com. Plus, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's happening the end of this month, 25th through the 28th. It's going to be a great time, so it's coming up actually pretty quickly here. Uh, Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live every single evening from the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and there will be hundreds of people in Lancaster, New Hampshire, celebrating freedom, getting together, socializing, touring around New Hampshire, uh, and possibly joining the Free State Project and moving here as part of the Free State Project. It's an event put on by the Free State Project, and it's a great time. It's been a blast all the times that we've been. Has it been twice now, Mark? We've been to two pork fests, I think. Seems like two, maybe. Yeah. Because we didn't go in 2006, so 2007, yeah. This, this will be our third Porcupine Freedom Festival, and uh, very much looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you there. Plus, uh, Nick is uh, with us here from Free Minds TV, Free Minds Radio tonight. You guys are going to be, are you broadcasting live? We are broadcasting. We're broadcasting live on Thursday night. Um, we'll probably have the cameras up as soon as we can get the set actually equipped and set up. But uh, we're planning to go live at about 6 o'clock to 6.30 is the oh, window okay. for starting the live broadcast. 
So how long will the broadcast be going on? Uh, we don't know. Basically, as long as we it. want to take it, because okay. it's a special, so we're not using it for a television program itself. Um, I'm sure we'll air it, but it's not replacing our regular weekly program. So I, see. I would I would imagine it would be somewhere more like an hour or more instead of our usual half hour format. So people can go to freemindstv.com on Thursday um, and check it out. And then go to porkfest.com to get registered. It's not too late. Uh, porkfest with a C, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And you can get, of course, the whole list, the itinerary of things that are going on. And actually, unless you're actually at Porkfest, you won't know everything that's happening because there are always spontaneous things coming up as people are getting to know one another and seeing old friends and ma- meeting new friends and all of that. All kinds of interesting things will happen, and it should be a lot of fun. Porkfest.com. So let's go to the uh, the store, the news stories here. And, of course, you can call in about whatever you want from the Pittsburgh Channel.com. You know they tell uh, they tell us to use the system uh, when we've uh, when some of us have done outside the system activities uh, such as civil disobedience or non cooperation. Those who are part of the status quo, those who are in the system deeply, will express concern for uh, anything, any kind of activism that goes on outside of the system, and they'll implore us to use the system. That's why it's here. You should use the system if you want to change the system. Don't try to change it from the outside, which, of course, I believe changing it uh, without using the system is the best way to do things, by doing it from the outside in the marketplace. And, of course, that's a sort of an unending debate. But one thing is for sure that we all can agree on is that they're constantly admiring Admonishing activists to use the system. Well, here's the exam. Here's an example of what happens when you use the system. Uh, they just they change their mind. They decide they don't want you to use the system anymore. Then all of a sudden you're using the system too much. Oh, you're not using the the system in the right way. You need to use the system in the way we specify you use the system. So it's not just that you get to use the system how you think you should. In the case of a Bridgeville man who was arrested and convicted. After making repeated complaints to his local government, took his appeal to one of Pennsylvania's highest courts on Tuesday. Story is uh, that Marshall Pappert freely admits that when you add up all of the letters he's written to government officials and include copies of those letters that he has sent to other public officials, the number of letters is about 350. Gosh, it's well, a lot of letter writing. This man is concerned. He is an active uh, mem- member of his community, and he wants what he considers to be his government to know how he feels. And if he wants to write one letter per day or however however many letters per day he is writing, he should be able to write those. The rest of the story is that while waiting for his case to be called, he made no apologies for his letter writing campaign. He said, I did what any citizen should do when you see something that's unhealthy to the community. Pappert lives across uh, the street from a concrete plant. He says the dust, the noise, the idling diesel trucks all combined to cause him to complain to the borough. He wrote letter after letter, hundreds of them, and he left voicemail messages for the borough manager. In one message, he said, I'm asking you as a Bridgeville resident of 56 years to resign and get off your position. Do the right thing. Instead, Pappert got arrested on a harassment charge and was convicted. At Tuesday's court, uh, Tuesday's appeal hearing, assistant district attorney told the court that Pappert clearly crossed the line to a course of conduct designed to harass the borough manager. Ivory declined an interview with the team, uh, that's the district attorney, on Tuesday. We really maintain that this is about the First Amendment and that public officials just have to tolerate it, according to the ACLU, who's representing Pappert. Councilman Pat DeSalvo said he just said he doesn't just tolerate Pappert's actions, he embraces them. Uh, so one of the councilmen is uh, saying that he appreciates hearing from this constituent. 
says, if you can't talk and do what I did to your government, what can you do, said Papert? What are they going to do next to you? A decision on whether to overturn the conviction isn't expected until sometime later this summer. Also, uh, the cop that arrested Papert submitted his resignation as Bridgeville police chief last month. So all kinds of interesting developments in this uh, this particular story. So what do you take away from this? Um, They, you know, they they got tired of listening to this guy. um, And, you know, so they used their power to go after him. It's also pretty clear that usually when bureaucrats or elected city officials tell you that they want to hear from you or that you should try to put a petition together or stay in touch with your representatives, they don't really mean it. That's what I mean. That's what they say. Basically, you know take you away from doing any kind of activism that would actually affect real change. It's, I mean, it's pretty, they can ignore it pretty easily. If you're sending letters or leaving voicemails, that's what they do is hit delete. I mean, that's what they prefer their opponents do because yeah, they can hit delete or they can just take your letter and throw it in the trash. I mean, it's not hard to look at the return address and say, no, I don't feel like reading this letter today. Right, but apparently if they have to do that too many times or hit the delete button on the phone too many times, then all of a sudden contacting... It's harassment. Yeah, c- contacts from a constituent is now harassment. Yep. It's so a, welcome to... This is the system. This is what they... minded idiots from what I can tell. The fact is this guy was trying to get something changed. Now, I'm not saying... Whether I we like, agree with what he was right. trying. I, 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 don't, I don't, likely. And... It, I don't, what they're reporting in here is the kind of things he said. It sounds like he was being civil throughout it. It'd mm-hmm. be one thing if you were talking about uh, threats or going no, off. Just, uh, but I, I would expect, as a citizen, I would I would expect some kind of response from my government agency. Well, they're not obligated to respond. No, they're not. But, uh, but what they all what they say is always, well, use the system. And this guy tried to use the system. He used it too much, according to them, and now he's in trouble for it. Now they, he's been convicted. They usually prefer that you vote rather than you write a letter. Yeah, they, yeah that's a what lot, they mean. Well, I've heard them say you should vote. I mean, that specifically. Yep. Because, you could run for office, too, if you want. Yeah. Voting, running for office, maybe the occasional phone call or the occasional letter, but uh, apparently more than a handful, and you're in trouble. Yeah, and it's uh, voting is basically statistically insignificant. Um, it, you know, it's when you're talking about something beyond a city or city level, you're, you're just get, it's getting to the point that it doesn't really matter whether you vote or not. Sorry. If these people don't want to be contacted by their so-called constituents, they shouldn't get into the job of being so-called governors in the first place. 1-800-259-9231, or at least don't put up the facade that you care and are interested in what people have to say to you. More on the way. You take control. Free Talk Live. Alakees.com is a community for self-learners. At Alakees, you'll find tools to help you connect with people learning the same things you're learning, tutor other community members, and to make contacts that can help you find jobs. You can also earn money by sharing your know-how with others and contributing quality content. Visit Alakees at A-L-E-K-E-S-E dot com. Again, that's A-L-E-K-E-S-E dot com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. 
Facebook.com, and the features include the bulletin board system. Over 450,000 posts, a lot to talk about, everything from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com, and it is completely free. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day, twice a day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the detailed, real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers the -the up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go to the go to freedomsphoenix.com now and sign up for the free daily dispatch at freedomsfreedom with an s phoenix.com. All right, let's continue and take your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Alex in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Alex. Hi, Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hey there. What's on your mind tonight? Um, two things. Real quickly, I want to thank you guys for your recent interview with Mark L. Van Name, the author of Overthrowing Heaven. Great. Um, I got that book, and it was awesome. Cool, cool. Um, now, what I called up was to tell you about a car accident I saw recently. Mm. Um, it was on a road, a 35-mile-per-hour road. I was going, I was... Because I had to turn right soon, I was in the far right lane behind a woman going 30, and I was annoyed, but I thought, you know, whatever, I'm going to turn right soon. Well, I see her hit a parked car without braking at all. She's going 30 miles per hour. It turns out there were two people in this car. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I pull over, and I go to get out, and there's a couple minutes before I get back to where the accident happened. All of a sudden, the people in the passenger's car start to what I feel is overly act. Now, they could very well have been injured, mm-hmm. but this one woman jumped out of the car screaming, and then she was lifting her head up to say that her neck hurt horribly and she could barely move. And you could tell she was kind of twitching around on and on. But the way she was acting, I thought she was faking it. But I'll be fair, she was hit. their car was hit going 30, could have very well been injured. My problem came when their friends came, and they said, oh, we're going to get paid. Uh-oh. And it reminded me of something that you said, Ian, when I first started listening to Free Talk Live, and that we live in a society that promotes us aggressing against our neighbors. And I remember thinking, this guy's a nut job. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But it's just something like that. And the more and more they talked, you could hear that these people were actually excited that their friends got hit by a car. Wow. Or because they were going to sue this lady and try to collect as much money as possible. And I'm not saying they're not, they don't deserve compensation because their car was, the back of it was pretty much wrecked. By but but the, it's the whole attitude. Right. And, you know, I, I have, uh, being in prison, I met more than one person who, you know, really the, it seemed to them that life was about waiting for that moment in time when you could hit the lottery by slipping on the floor in Walmart or whatever <laughs> it was that, uh, you know, was going to get you. Uh, paid Sad. and uh, you know other than that you just kind of made it along day by day until you you hit that time Gosh. and I, i'll tell you getting hit by somebody and uh you, their insurance isn't necessarily going to get you paid i it's just individual insurance yeah and i know it just it made me sick because i mean i've been in a situation where i probably could have tried pressing charges against um an establishment because i got injured on their property but Accidents happen. Yep. If you don't, if you really expect accidents not to happen, you're going to be sorely mistaken. It's a way of life. If you want to avoid accidents, you should might as well ban cars and everything else in the world. 
Well, I mean, yeah. you could you could do that. You're still not going to avoid accidents. I mean, yeah. you could you could trip up falling up the stairs or uh, coming or coming down the stairs. I mean, it, stairs. most accidents happen in the home anyway. So even if you were to say, well, you should just stay home to avoid accidents, you'll still have them happen to you. Yeah, it's a, it's something that it just reminded me back because I remember first, when I was first introduced to you guys, you said that, and I honestly, I was like, I'm not going to be listening to this show much longer. <laughs> you know, I, I, I understand, and, and I, I work with him, so it's, it's like that <laughs> most of the time. But, you know, I remember, and this is kind of how I dis- define middle class, is I remember a conversation I had with my uncle, and he's like, we don't sue people. And that, that you know, that's, that's how I sort of define the class that we came from. We, like, we make it on our own. We don't wait for an opportunity to mm-hmm. sue somebody. Certainly, you know, if somebody was entirely negligent or, or malicious against you, you might consider employing the court system. But I don't know much about it. And it, to me, that would require, uh, you know, I'd be, had to have to be very interested in doing it because I'd have to, to hire a, a lawyer to do such a thing. But there, there's a, a, a group of people out there, um, and those people – just believe that the you know oh boy something bad happened i get to sue yeah i have to say i don't know much about uh, auto accidents either i'm fortunate in that i've not really gotten in anything significant but i know that from um from the stories i've been told usually it's later on after the accident that the pain really starts to set in i can imagine that if you were in a, a really bad accident you'd probably be in pain right away but on, on something where 30 miles an hour doesn't seem like the fa- the fastest clip uh I, I highly doubt that they would be experiencing any sort of dr- dramatically painful sensations immediately thereafter it's just speculation yeah i mean odds are good they there's adrenaline rushing through their system uh they probably aren't feeling half of the pain that they're going to feel later on down the line it's yeah. you know after the bruising starts and that's all how that. i feel about it but i can only speculate i mean you know just I agree, but you just don't know. But then he overheard them actually uh, yeah. l- say, suggesting they're going to cash in damning. on this, and uh, that's just so well, sad. The fact of the matter is, somebody really hits nails you. They're not necessarily carrying all that much insurance, and if yeah, yeah, if, yeah if their insurance limit is thirty thousand or whatever it is, and they're not a particularly rich person. You're not really going to cash in anyway. You're no, you're gonna just going to hurt for the rest of your right. life. I mean, I mean, you're going to be able to pay for your car if you take them to court, and you can make them bankrupt, but they're not really going to be able to pay you all that much money. No. Can't get blood from a stone. Exactly. Alex, any other thoughts? Nope, that's it. Thanks for the story tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. And, of course, one of the things that could go a long way, a really long way, just a, a very simple reform for the existing government system. I'm not even going to advocate going to private justice here. It's just a simple governmental system reform would be to go to a loser-pay system where if a lawsuit is brought against you for whatever reason and you uh and the the person and it, basically it's found that the the lawsuit was frivolous then the person who brought the suit would have to pay all of the costs associated with bringing the suit so pay for all the court costs pay for your attorney's costs that you and whatever time that you had to spend uh defending yourself and all of that we don't really have that system today and I think it would go a long not, way because... Well, then, not in the United States. Most right. other parts, pretty much everywhere else in the world has that. Some people refer to it as the English system, but it's not just England. Most of the rest of the world has a system where if you bring a lawsuit that is frivolous, I mean, it gets yeah. turned down, then you pay for the costs and associated. You better be prepared. And so, therefore, people would know in advance that if they, uh, they bring one of these frivolous lawsuits, they're going to be responsible for it. If it turns out to be a bunch of poppycock. But now there's very little uh, disincentive 
from just throwing lawsuits out there. I mean, what do you have to do? Just pay court costs to, to give it a shot and see if it works? I don't even know. I don't know how simple it is. I'm sure it's not an easy, necessarily a easy process, well, but I mean, there's little risk. There is. I, I, I mean, if, if the person you're suing decides to come back at you and say the lawsuit was frivolous, um, I think they theoretically could come back at you for damages or whatever. But If they wanted to countersue, but, you mean. Right. But then, the, you know, if you're getting attacked, so you're getting sued and you feel it's frivolous and you beat that case, you have to go through all the motions of filing you know, filing your own lawsuit, go, paying court costs again, not knowing whether you're actually going to recoup the original court costs from when mm-hmm. somebody else dragged you into court. So it, it's not a very good system. It's a mess. Uh, so there you go. One suggestion to change things for the better. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up, uh, Mark, you've got a secession email to share. But first, we're going to share with you the confessions of a public servant. Someone from the inside of the federal government has, anonymously of course, revealed what it's like. What is it like to be a federal government bureaucrat? What's the life like? What is the lifestyle? What is the incentive to become a federal government bureaucrat? I mean, we've talked about the sweet, sweet government benefits and perks here on this show, but we're going to go on the inside to the words of someone who's actually been there here in moments. 800-259-9231. And you can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the site. The feature's free, including archives. You can go back for an entire year and get the archives free right there on the front page of the website. And that's freetalklive.com. Again, freetalklive.com. Do you want to pay higher prices for goods and services? Of course not. But you do every time someone doesn't pay their bills. And it's one of the many compelling reasons that SACL CAI has been at the cornerstone of collections for more than 35 years. Before you pay higher prices, think whether the business, be it a bank, hospital, retail store, or utility, could use some help with their collections to control costs so they aren't passed on to you. Tell them to call the dedicated collections experts at SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI. See their banner right at the top of freetalklive.com. So what is it like to be a federal government bureaucrat anyway? What's it like to be on the inside of the biggest, most oppressive government bureaucracy of them all? Well, this story is actually a little bit out of date. It was written back in 1995, but it was featured on this week's LouRockwell.com, and that's how I came across it. Great site, by the way, LouRockwell.com. Uh, and I thought it was worthy of sharing. So odds are good that things have changed a little since 1995 in the federal government, but I think generally the theme is going to be the same. If anything has changed, the perks are probably better today than they were. The, the paychecks are probably bigger uh, than they were, for instance, back in 1995. So here's the story. It's from Mr. X. You're looking for a job. You want to get paid several times your worth. Come and go when you please. Work only if you feel like it. Take as long a lunch as you want. And get 10 paid holidays per year, as well as six weeks of paid vacation per year. There's only one way to go. Work for the federal government. Few Americans, I'm afraid. Six weeks of paid vacation. Ten paid holidays plus... Six weeks of paid vacation. That's pretty darn sweet. Few Americans, I'm afraid, have any idea what it's like. 
If they did, there'd be a political earthquake. As a member of the parasitic class for 15 years, I've witnessed and participated in this corrupt and grotesquely unfair system firsthand. I'm both qualified and morally obligated to expose it. You could, of course, call me a hypocrite. I have prospered financially beyond my wildest dreams. Given my talents and work, my uh, standard of living is far higher than anything that I could earn in the private sector. But by reading the right books and talking at length with my wife, who is a private sector employee, and our friends in the private sector, I have come to see this repugnant system for what it's worth. But what is it that draws people to government work? What keeps them there for a lifetime? It's simple. Overcompensation, huge benefits, and great working conditions. It's attractive to sign up and nearly impossible to leave. That's because the government, by and large, rewards skills and experience that are unmarketable in the private sector, at least not at the same level of pay. Take me, for example. I have a degree in political science. I write, edit, and research. The taxpayers pay me approximately, now this is $1995, $65,000 a year in salary. Yeah, I can only imagine that's probably 95 now. Yeah, that's, I mean, 65 is good right now. If you're getting 65000 you're doing pretty well. You're doing better than the average uh, American. He says, or she, who knows, says uh, excluding benefits. So 65000 salary plus all of those sweet government benefits that we've heard so much about. I couldn't legally earn this in the private sector. If you don't believe me, go ahead and peruse the one ad. Salaries for writer, editor, and research analyst start in the low 20s. So let's say I took a job in the private sector, presuming that someone would hire a person who spent his whole adult life working for the government, and let's pretend that I can actually earn $65,000. Well, what would I lose if I left the government? First of all, the short work week would be out the window. I could take off early, but this would be detrimental to my income. I would have to meet deadlines because consumers actually want jobs done in a timely manner. Because <laughs> when you're a government bureaucrat... You do it at whatever pace you feel like. Yeah, I mean, you're just, hey, you're doing your job whenever it gets done. Uh, so, and, but it's not easy for them to fire you either. Once you get no. in, I don't think he mentions this, but but once you get into a government bureaucracy and you get past the tenure phase, and I believe that this exists generally, there's usually a phase at which that they're analyzing you and they can boot you out pretty easily. Right. But after you get past that phase, then it gets nearly impossible to get fired. I mean, you have to rape a little girl or something like that in the office uh, in order to get fired. I'm exaggerating only slightly there. But uh, it's just been amazing. Some of the things that some government bureaucrats have done over the years, and some of them have actually gotten fired, but then they can sue later on and sue for their reinstatement. And if they're reinstated, they get paid back pay for all the time they were never there doing anything in the first place while they were supposedly fired. It's frightening, but true. Yeah, it's a maddening system. Anyway, he goes on to say, I would have to forget about getting 10 paid holidays. People in the private sector have a hard time getting paid on Thanksgiving. My private sector friends laugh at me when I tell them I get paid for such bogus holidays as President's Day, Martin Luther King Day, and Columbus Day. And vacations? Right now, I can spend 8.7% of my work time on vacation. That's six weeks per year in perpetuity. The average vacation time in the private sector is two weeks, and it's not an entitlement. I could also, for, you have to get there, you have to earn yeah. that kind of uh, vacation in the private sector. You're not just handed that. You can't just go start a, a job at, uh, at a restaurant and expect to get two weeks off. It, yeah, you just paid. You, I mean, you could get to some time off maybe if you asked early enough in advance, but to get paid time off? Uh, Nick, ever had a job where you had vacation? Yes. 
Wait, wait, tell me about it. <laughs> I get eight. Currently, I get eighteen days a year paid vacation. That's pretty good. That's pretty days. good. Plus Ian, four ever, personal days. But that, I mean, that builds over time too. The longer you're there, the better you do. Ian ever had a vacation? I don't recall. I think that there might have been some sort of thing where I could have done something like that at Clear Channel, but I don't really know what the rules were, and I never had any real desire to go on one. So. I, you know, if if you had a paid vacation, you'd have had to take it. Oh, they would have forced me to take it. Yeah, huh? I mean, that's just the way that those things go. I've never had a paid vacation in my life. Me, me neither. Not that I know of, at least. And like you said, if they're going to force me to do it, no one certainly ever forced me to, so... Uh, so let's continue here. He says, I could also forget about the unofficial bennies. For example, I take an hour-long jog every single day, followed by a shower and a leisurely lunch. This is while he's on the job. Are you kidding me? It keeps me in tip-top condition for my vacations. And shopping excursions during work are always possible. What about stress? If relaxation lengthened life, bureaucrats would live to be 150 years old. Every few years, a big-shot commission bemoans the disparity between public and private sector work. It invariably concludes that bureaucrats need much higher salaries and more benefits. Because, after all, they're serving the public, aren't they? If bureaucrats were, uh, were actually paid according to their net value to society, the result would be mass exodus and the federal government would have to shut down. For anyone versed in free market economics, the reasons for all of this taxpayer abuse are pretty obvious. Unlike the private sector, the government is not subject to the rigors of the profit and loss system. The government can tax, print, and borrow money to meet its obligations. It can pay millions of people salaries absurdly out of proportion and can never be outcompeted. They've got the printing press behind them. Lacking the discipline opposed, imposed by the market, the government cannot be efficient by private sector standards. It will never terminate or scale back unnecessary functions on its own. So long as people are tricked into thinking that government employees are sacrificing anything for the public good, politicians won't feel pressure to end it. And you also need to point out, and he doesn't point this out, that if there's ever a threat politically, if there's ever some political threat to a government bureaucracy, an existing government program, those government bureaucrats are Johnny on the spot to fight for their jobs all day long. They will spend as much time and as much money as necessary. In some cases, they get to spend taxpayer money to fight for their jobs. They get to take, uh, they get to spend all this time because they've got the biggest interest in ensuring that they keep their jobs. Whereas the people that are trying to shut down the program, they probably got their own jobs in the private sector that they're busy working with, and that they just don't have as much time and effort, right. and money to dedicate to defend to offending against and or offensing any, offensive. Rather. Any government program, or even the slightest infringement on a government program, you will see the bureaucrats come out in force. Yep. Paid in order to testify at whatever hearing in front of whatever House committee and blah, 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 blah. But if you don't want this, if this is um, something that you don't want, you've got to go there on your own time, spend your own gas, take time off, um, t- take time off of your job in order to get there. It's. It's just crazy. Right now, you the think about the system per- perpetuates itself. Well, it's think like about a growing blob. Think about what that would cost to take all that time off to, to to spend your money, to spend your gas money, to spend whatever money you need to to lobby against whatever government program is being proposed, just proposed being shut down. And let's say it actually does get shut down. 
Now, this is really unusual, right? Let's say you're successful at your efforts and you convince the politicians to shut down this one government program. Well, if they do that and presuming the money uh, that they're stealing in taxes doesn't go somewhere else and it actually does get returned to you, you'll end up getting like 50 cents off of your taxes because it's the cost of that government program is distributed over probably millions and millions of people. Yeah. And so, therefore, you've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars trying to lobby to end this one government program that, in the end, if you're successful, results in you saving 50 cents. So there's just no real economic incentive for us to fight as hard as the bureaucrats. We're on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free. 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We continue by taking your phone calls about anything. We go to Brent in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, Brent. Hi, how are you? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Brent? Yeah, I was uh, wondering if you guys were aware of this um, Senate Bill 2099. Uh, what apparently, is it? Apparently it requires you to put on your 2009 1040 um, every gun that you own, and it may require hmm. fingerprints and a $50 tax per firearm. Wow. Well, considering I won't be filling out uh, any sort of uh, t- IRS tax forms, I guess I won't be uh, obeying that particular <laughs> legislation. Fantastic. So, wait, this well, hasn't was, uh, passed yet? This is... 24th, I just thought you guys should be aware of it. Wait a minute. What? Uh, what? What about the 24th? What? Well, it was introduced on February 24th, um, and I guess it's an amendment to the Internal Revenue Act of 1986, and it's going through the um, the Finance Committee, so it actually won't be voted on by the Senate. So, w- if it won't be voted on, can it be come the law? I'm confused. Yes, it, it, it can be passed through the Finance Committee without going through a Senate here. Oh, that's nice. Wow, that's brilliant. All right, so basically you believe this is probably going to come to fruition? Well, I'm not sure yet. I'm going to do my best to stop it. But where, where, did you, uh, where did you hear about this, Bill? I heard about it um, from a friend who emailed it. You can find it on um, www.senate.gov. You just search for uh, Senate Bill 2099. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for the heads up on that, Brent. Anything else you wanted to share? No, that's it. Thanks for uh, everything you guys are doing. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. About.com has this listed, or I'm sorry. Yeah, About.com has this listed as urban legend. It's a hoax, huh? Yeah. They they say it's been circulating since September of 2000, and no such bill was introduced in 2009. Interesting. I wonder if what he said was true about them being able to just pass some new rule without having to go through the, the Senate. 
Uh, I don't know. It says Senate Bill 2099 does exist. Uh, but it's but not the, for that. But the legislation has little in common with the description that's commonly given, which is a plan to tax guns or handguns. That's not to say that they couldn't do something like that into the future. They should very they easily be, could. Should they be interested in such a thing? And well, I'm glad you checked on that, Nick. Thank you for doing that. I, I like to fact check, and uh, I, I encourage other people to do it because uh, this didn't. It didn't surprise me um, that something like this might actually be proposed. But sure, sometimes when I hear these, you know, the stories about these draconian pieces of legislation that I've never heard before, sometimes I wonder how much of it is true and how much is rumor. Well, good nose. Good nose? Nose. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. The best nose would be, of course, uh, if we found out that some state was seceding from the United States. Unfortunately, we're not quite there yet, but Mark, you've got an email to that end. Well, Is that right? Yeah, to, to some extent. It's from uh, Kevin. He says, I've got a question that I've been uh, meaning to call up and ask, but I never seem to have the time, minutes, or desire all at the same time. You profess to be a minarchist, and I believe in the... Uh, existence of some form of government and i know you also want roads cops and courts to be handled by that but let defense to be done by malicious my questions are what rights in your eyes does a minarchist government have to call forth the militia and i'm not asking to prove anarchy um but because i seriously don't understand a point you make over and over about secession you say whenever secession is brought up don't fire on a military base However, in the event... Because that's what happened in the Civil War, right? Right. They, uh, they fired on uh, Fort Sumter and... The South did. Yeah, the South did. And uh, you know, many say that it was... Uh, and it was instigated. Lincoln sent a supply sh- an armed supply ship, and it looked like they were going to stay there forever, and we wanted them to leave. So, um, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, they fired on Fort Sumter. Somebody fired on Fort Sumter. All right. I just realized that I was engaging in collectivism by calling them the South, right. as though the individuals who fired on Fort Sumter had anything to do with people that were in Alabama at the time, and this is something that uh, concerns me: is if the government wants to get fi- to get fired on, they will get fired on. They can find someone to go and be an agent provocateur right. and and, uh, and fire on them. Yeah. Well, in an isolated, I mean, this was pretty open. I mean, it was yep. the South Carolina militia was just ordered to fire on the fort. So. Yes. You know, there's no denying that this was that you know members of the Confederacy doing it of their own free will, and it was a very bad idea. Yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, in, in retrospect, I mean, at the time, I, I can see how they would, you know, make the the argument, and I'm not saying it was even necessarily a bad one, that we're an independent country now, these yep. are foreign troops, uh, you know, that, that should be our fort, but they, they, in retrospect, been, it would have been better to let the federal forces fire first, because yeah. then you're defending yourself. They would have been far better off if just, uh, you know, ignoring those folks out there in that island on Fort Sumter, and uh, letting them go about their business there, and, and not being egged on and instigated by, you know, supply ships or anything like that, just saying... You know, editorials to the newspapers and, you know, perhaps writers and other newspapers will pick it up, uh, you know, farther north and people would say, you know, those people do have the right, you know, and and to stop, of course, paying taxes to the federal government, just acting like free people and, and, you know, that their state has seceded and they would have been far better off than they had. So Kevin goes on. We can learn from their mistakes. However, in the event of secession, it's no longer a military base. It's an installation for a uh, foreign occupation. I understand that on the first day it would be stupid, but what about a year later? 
if the U.S. Marines are stationed permanently in the Republic of New Hampshire in your ideal system, wouldn't a foreign invasion be a legitimate act to call forth the militia and use force to repel the invaders? Wouldn't such a military installation be such an invasion? Good this, question. The, the, well, it is a good question, and there's the perfect example lying just 90 miles off the coast of Key West. Cuba. The, there is uh, Guant- on Cuba is a United States military base Guant- Guantanamo, and a, you know prior to Castro taking power, somehow it was there. I don't know what the specifics are of the uh, of the base, but Castro don't like no Guantanamo, and neither was his brother Raúl. Mm-hmm. They would really like that base to be off their island, and if one can make a legitimate claim, it would seem to me that uh, Cuba can do it. The whole island's ours, except this little tip over here on the end. Yeah. And the you know the world's largest military pow- power won't give it back. Well, it's been there for 50 years now. Well, Castro took over in 63, so going on 50 years. and It hasn't they, been the base of an invasion of Cuba. Right. It's they, just been there. Right. They haven't, well, nor was uh, Fort Sumter. Uh, there's been a, a, the United States has military bases in many many countries around yeah. the world. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I, I don't think Cuba is the only example where a government regime has flipped over and supposedly it's a new country or a new yeah. government. They put up a new flag and the base is still there. So the fact that a foreign power has a military base in in that country, it's not necessarily an act of war. I mean, it'd be stu- it would be stupid in the example that he's giving. For people to try to, you know, if a state secedes, to try to kick a U.S. military off of a base that already existed, I can understand yeah. why they might want to. I understand it, too. But as long as the, the troops aren't going around the surrounding area uh, 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 kidnapping children and murdering people and causing well, general havoc. that would be havoc. basically an invasion. Right. I mean, if, right. if they're menacing well, you. Right. If I, they're going to the bars and drinking your alcohol, then that's whatever. That's not happening either in Guantanamo. Right. Uh, they're not leaving the base in Guantanamo. Yeah. Well, the... The point I'm trying to make is it's legitimate from the point of view of a state. It was legitimate for South Carolina to fire on Fort Sumter. It was also ill-advised. Yeah. You know, it it didn't work out, and I'm only giving practical advice, not advice on you know what's legitimate and what's not. I think that people need to be far slower to go for their guns because I agree. <laughs> you know, the the fact is the government uh, is 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 better at it. In in the case of the South, they you know they. The, the North was more was better equipped, and and I've hear I've heard people make the argument that even if England got on the got in on the side of the South, which was a possibility, that they still would have lost. So hmm. now that's that's a point for debate, and that's history. Yes. But I, you know, I would point out that once you pull out guns, you really can't put them away until it's over. You, you, yeah. It's over. Either you're yeah. you know the losing side is either going to be probably sent to jail or shot. Whether well, they lay down their guns or not, so yeah, well, it's the, not advised unless you think you're going to win or you're you're really fed up and you're ready and you're ready to go. The rich ones on the losing side are liable to be scolded terribly, and well, the poor ones are liable to be shot and and, and uh, buried in graves and uh, you know honored honored on Memorial Day. Toll free number is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. There's more to this email, right? No, no that's pretty okay. much it. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Got a related question uh, in my email box. We will get to that. Take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up anything, and that's why we call the show Free Talk Live. If you're brand new to the program, uh, we mean it. Go ahead and give us a sh- uh, give us a shot. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 
Are you an active free stater living in New Hampshire? Are you and your family moving to New Hampshire in the near future? A new web series about the Free State Project is currently casting. Interested? Send us a short video about yourself. Tell us what you're doing or planning on doing to achieve liberty in your lifetime. Show us what makes you interesting. Upload your video to YouTube and send the link to fspwebseries at gmail.com. Don't have a video camera? Ask about other submission options. fspwebseries at gmail.com. Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And the features include... The Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See it for yourself. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. We were talking about secession a few moments ago. I've got a little bit more about that, um, and we'll get to your calls first, though. It's Steve in Toronto. You're on Free Talk Live. Steve. Hi, guys. I hope you're all doing well tonight. Steve, what's I'm on your mind? i to talk about uh, traffic court injustice uh, in general, I had called, actually, I spoke to you guys a couple of months ago about a traffic court experience I had had in Toronto, which was just totally ludicrous. Uh, and I decided to follow up, and, and as part of the recap, uh, you know, um, I, uh, what, I, what I did was I, I ended up emailing the, uh, the supervising prosecutor. Uh, and it, they're very brief, if you don't mind my reading them. If, if you do, I can try to summarize, but they're pretty short anyway. Okay, okay. so and it's, is this going to bring our listeners up to speed with what happened? Sure will. Okay, go ahead. So I wrote, Dear So-and-So, almost 14 months ago I was issued a traffic ticket for disobeying a stop sign. Since I'm 100% certain that I did not commit this offense, I decided to contest the ticket. A scheduled court date was set uh, for me to appear at Old City Hall on Monday, March 9th. On this date, I arrived at 8.30 a.m., just as the court requested. I waited in the courtroom for almost three and a half hours. (sighs) Eventually, I was the only person left in the courtroom, with the exception of the judge, stenographer, prosecutor, and police officer, and thus the case against me, so I thought, was going to be the last for the morning. Mm-hmm. I was fully prepared to, defi- to defend myself. They called my name at 11.55 a.m., and I proceeded towards the judge's area with my defense documents. He looked at his watch and proclaimed, ah, it's getting late, we need to break for lunch. Immediately before I could respond, the prosecutor tried to rebook the court date for August 27th, almost a six-month delay. Wow. Despite my protest that this was unfair, that I missed work for the entire morning, that I was diligent in causing the court no delays at all, and that this charge should be dismissed to avoid me the unnecessary inconvenience of having to return to court, I was ignored. And a new court date was registered for August 27th. You will jump through as many hoops as we decide to put up. Ha ha! That's right. And I wrote, uh, I wrote on saying, since I cannot afford to miss another half day of work, and since this rescheduling is through no fault of my own, I ask that your office please do the ethical thing here and dismiss the charge. Rather than <laughs> in an oh, that's clever. Way. That is clever. I'm sorry. Go on. I love it. It's great. I'm <laughs> okay. not going to do anything. But... Start, out, start off after ethical thing. We started laughing, and, and you know, we just <laughs> nobody could hear anything after that. Not a problem. Uh, <laughs> since I cannot afford to miss another day at work, blah, 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 I ask that your office please do the ethical thing here and dismiss this charge rather than inconvenience me in an unjust way. <laughs> I just can't get enough of that ethical. Uh, your office should do the ethical thing part. All right, keep right. going. The closing sentence is, is this something your office is willing to do? Thank you, Steve. 
So went a week. I wrote another email because there was no reply. Can you please address the email below that I sent you a week ago? And then I got a response. It said, Mr. Gray, mm-hmm. I am looking into this matter and will contact you once I have all the information in front of me. Another week went by. Nothing. Hello, Ms. Walker. Thank you for looking into this matter. I will look forward to hearing from you soon. Another week. Can you please advise as the date on which you will be able to address the matter? And then eventually I get this reply. Hello, Mr. Gray. I have now had the opportunity to investigate this matter. I will make arrangements to have the charge brought forward and withdrawn as there is no reasonable prospect of conviction. I'll be damned. Yeah, I was shocked, totally shocked. Um, Your ticket date has now been filed, blah, 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 for such and such date. You will not have to attend court on this date. I will notify you by way of an email once the charge has been withdrawn. Thank you for bringing this matter to my attention. Shocking. smokes. Yes. Congratulations. Thank Sometimes you, you get so, lucky. I, 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 can't, I still can't believe it. And I'll get to my, uh, my question in a second, but I wrote one last follow-up email um, because it felt only like a semi-victory because, yeah, it's great, but... You still wasted three hours of your time plus exactly. all the time you spent doing the emails and all that. Well, I wrote again. I wrote, <laughs> hello, Ms. Walker. First, thank you very much for making arrangements to have the charge brought forward and withdrawn. I do appreciate this, and I think this is the just thing for you to do. However... I would like to make a suggestion for future cases that are similar to mine. Ethically, your office should really be doing this without the accused person having to do research and find you. Truly, your prosecutor should have dropped this in court in the courtroom once it became clear that there was going to be an obscene delay. I'm able to communicate well. I'm not elderly or new to the English language. However, many Toronto drivers are not as capable as I am, and it pains me to think that these very people, if ever placed in the same situation that I was, are probably going to have to show up in court and pay. In the marketplace, yes, the following practice is true. The stronger and more qualified generally do better than others. But justice is supposed to be blind to these things, and your office has proven to me that it isn't. I would greatly appreciate it if you would look into correcting this. Wow. I, I, that, I think that's great. I hope that she doesn't change her mind all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope I tried to be respectful. I said, uh, and regardless, I thank you again for having my charge withdrawn. So I, I did try and be polite and respectful, but I never heard back again. Well, I think that this is this is it. This is the turning point, and uh, government bureaucracies will uh, now at least start to be ethical one, from now on. Will, uh, will <laughs> that's right. It's by one lowly email that changed their minds forever. Listen to reason. They'll uh, you know they'll respond in uh, you know a timely fashion. It, it's this. It's a new era. Well, you know, when you're, <laughs> right. being, when you're being robbed uh, by, a, you know, some criminal in the streets and they're trying to take you, they're going to take your money from you. It doesn't hurt to ask to, you know, to, hey, just give me the wallet back. You know, right. just, just take the cash, man. I'm right. going to call and cancel the credit card. Just here, here, just take the cash. Give me the wallet back. Maybe the criminal will, uh, you know, will will grant you that. Please give me my Starbucks card back. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it was great that you sent this email, and it's fabulous that it turned out well for you. That, Thank I you, mean, guys. I'm wondering, what do you think would possibly be the motivation for this person to have dropped the charge? I can't. I still can't figure it out. And what was the charge originally? I've forgotten. It was just uh, rolling through a stop sign. Well, she seemed. She did say that she didn't believe it could be proven, right? Yeah, but that that never stops them. They'll they'll go anyway and hope it'll just waste my time. But, maybe they, but how many people challenge stop sign tickets? How many people have you ever known that has that have challenged right. a stop sign was, ticket? My thought on this was is it was probably more trouble for her to look through and find out what the uh, evidence was on your case than it was for her to drop your case. So she thought to herself, "Eh, whatever. If I you know put this in the this drop, guy's trouble. If I put this in the dropped pile, no big deal. Well, right. What do we lose? Well, look, yeah, but you, you know what would have been easier, which for her just to not reply. I mean. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, but remember, you are dealing with bullies here. You're dealing with people that are willing to wield the, the force of the state, wield violence over people. And bullies tend to act in very similar manner. I mean, uh, in a very similar manner. They look for the easy marks. They look for the easy victims, the push, right. the kids that are the pushovers. And right. if you if you even look like you are going to be a challenge, and that's what you looked like, you basically let them know, hey... I am challenging this, and I am willing to take this all the way, but I don't appreciate you guys uh, screwing around with all the court dates and everything. She yeah. basically looked at that and said, ah, don't want to deal with this guy, and flushed it. So, right. Because what they're used to doing is just sending out the traffic tickets and having people pay them, and that's it. And the fact that you were right. going to take up their time uh, in a courtroom trial was probably more than enough reason for them to just let it go. Or, I mean, you tickled her humanity on this one, or what for whatever Maybe. reason. But it's, 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 it's possible. You know, uh, characterizing them as bullies is in some ways true, but it, 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 uh, it's short-sighted in the sense that these are real people who some are, are you know doing bullying things, and you can uh, you can reason with bullies too. Good call tonight, dude, and thanks for the update. I appreciate it. And let us know anything else develops because it's not over yet. She still hasn't sent the final email. More on the way. You take control. Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. In fact, I sent out an update a few days back about the auction, banner auction going on right now at auction.freetalklive.com. You could win the fourth banner on the website for an entire month, and I think it's currently at 66 bucks. So if you want to get in on that, you can advertise virtually anything. Auction.freetalklive.com. So secession is still in the news, which I think is absolutely fantastic. There was an ex- uh, incredibly lengthy article in, in this week's Washington, not Washington, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it, it's way too long to read on the air, but uh, very positive from my skimming of it. Uh, basically laying out all these various different secessionist movements here in America and talking fairly positive uh, in fairly positive terms toward the idea. Uh, so I think it's I think it's great, and I think that this is a discussion that needs to be had. That people need to continue talking about secession. Uh, the more that we we talk about it with our friends and our family, the more they will talk about it with uh, their associates, and more people will uh, will get that conversation going, and more people will come to the conclusion, as I believe all of us on this program have, that the hell do we need the federal government for anyway? Really. So uh, so thanks to uh, the Wall Street Journal and everybody else that has been uh, continuing to keep secession in the conversation. It's it's appeared out of nowhere within the last six months. Yeah, uh, I would say secession has has become a, a topic du jour, if you will. I think some people are fed up with the fact that, I mean, the, the pace at which Washington is centralizing power, it, it does seem to be quickening to some extent. It's nothing new. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people feel as if we're sort of at a turning point where we're either going to get a, a really big centralized government or we need to do something drastically different. And they're correct. Unfortunately, though, when you do talk about secession with people, frequently what you'll hear is fear. 
you'll hear them express how frightened they are of violence that they believe that will erupt from any sort of secessionist movement, that the federal government, in their belief, in their mind, will essentially crush with violent force anyone who tries to secede. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, and I don't think that fear of that possibility should keep people from going about the process. As long as they don't fire on the fort, as you were talking about earlier, Mark, as long as the secessionists stay completely peaceful, then if the federal government does decide to get violent, all that will do is completely will just obliterate whatever sense of legitimacy, or at least a good portion of the sense of legitimacy that they had uh, in people's minds, right. because they will be seen as the violent people, whereas the secessionists will be seen as the victims. And this is something I can't stress enough. Um, having come, you know, uh, from the the sort of libertarian uh, standpoint, the idea is is that you can, uh, you know, you can use force legitimately against somebody who initiates force against you. And so, therefore, it, it would be legitimate to use force to prevent the federal government from trying to take back your state or whatever. If you show your – libertarians like guns. They're gun-polishing types. They mm-hmm. have them. They, they enjoy them. And uh, I can't say that I, I don't think that they're pretty cool myself. But, Not all liberty-minded people, but it's yeah, pretty popular. It's, it's pretty popular. And it's – that that's bad news, you know. Going to rallies with guns, showing your guns, um, you know, letting these people know that if they mess with us too much, we're gonna shoot them. Well, okay. Well, well, wait a minute. I think there's a difference between showing your guns and actually agitating and r- rattling a saber, or basically saying we're going to shoot if you attack. Us. I don't, and here's why. Okay. Um, the federal government is going to get that first shot fired situation. It's not going to be uh, if if they want it, and they pl- probably will want it. They'll they like somebody in agent like, pro- provocateur. Yeah, they like agent provocateurs, and. It seems to me that uh, they'll be able to make a pretty good case in the press, and that's the only place that the case matters, is in the the press at the time, if they can show some uh, pictures of free staters with their Gadsden flags, their AK-47s strapped over their shoulders, their uh, pistols uh, on their hips, and, uh, you know, rallying, raising their fists in freedom and that kind of thing. I think that that's a. I think that's bad news. Uh, and it, so you're saying it, se- it seems to me that it would legitimize whatever story they made up about, uh, you know, child porn and uh, you know violence and whoever got hurt or whatever. So you're saying that liberty-oriented people should no longer open carry. Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm only making a suggestion here. Like this is what I think, and I think that uh, that the the liberty movement is best served through peace, and. Guns aren't a symbol of peace. I uh, got two I, I two mean, big gun supporting guys I, in the room I, here. I mean, I have to say, I I think that any movement, particularly whether it's towards liberty in general or secession in particular, the movement should be peaceful. Um, I you know I don't think that you should resort to guns if you know if we get to the point where a state is seceding and there's some contention with the federal government. I certainly wouldn't suggest going to your guns. But I'm not going to suggest that if the federal government decided they were going to come into the state and start rounding people up for treason or terrorism or whatever charges they'd throw at you, I wouldn't suggest non-resistance if they are actually coming for you. because You it, wouldn't suggest non-resistance? I wouldn't suggest passive resistance because if they're arresting you know, secessionist-type people like a state's declared independence, you're... There's a very good chance you're going to spend the rest of your life in a jail cell. And uh, I don't 
Who's that LaPeltier uh, Indian guy that uh, was involved in the uh, Black Hills uprising um, from the late 70s or whatever? I mean, he's still still in jail, I believe. Yeah, they're going. You're going to be charged with something. In my opinion, you would probably be charged with something roughly like a terrorism charge, even if you were being nonviolent, or more likely some kind of treason charge. I mean, if the government's going to make the claim that you're illegally trying to dissolve the union, you're you're probably facing a punishment equivalent, pretty equivalent to death anyway. So well, I mean, uh, if I'm, that's not, I'm true. not advocating violence to achieve secession, but if they do start coming in and rounding up peaceful people and, you know, throwing them in camps, I'm not going to advocate non-resistance to that either. I uh, This is such a, such a tough, tough place for me to be because I feel like I am in agreement with both of you. And I, I come from that, uh, that perspective of, well, you need to defend yourself if you're attacked, and uh, the state is no different from any other attacker. But, of course, the, the state is yes, different. Is. The state is different. I mean, yes, they are criminals. Yes, what they're doing is violence. Yes, what they're doing is wrong. And, yes, you do morally have the right to defend yourself. I think that you no, are... I'm not, I'm, not, no, I'm, I know that. I'm not arguing against that. But you're going to take your moral victory to your grave. That's the problem here. So if you, if you do fight back, then you're pretty much assured to perish relatively quickly. Uh, and and I just don't know. There was there was a discussion actually about this on the Free Keen Forum recently about well what what would have happened in the American Revolution had the revolutionaries not actually used violence against well, the the it, UK. Uh, and, understood, and there's it's it's legitimate, but you have to be willing to uh, you know ch- change with the times, and the times <clears throat> people people aren't used to violence. People get their meat in little uh, little styrofoam packages with clear cellophane over it. They don't go out and slaughter cows. Um, if you can use the camera, the new gun, yeah. to show the violence of the government and not legitimize that violence in any way, then I think you've really got something going on. I think that the new revolutions, um, it seems to me, are fought on the Internet through video and Twitter. I, I agree. Boy, I, like Tibet? They've been trying nonviolence for 50 years. What is Tibet doing to, I mean, besides the, uh, I think the had, ruler of Tibet's wandering around, but I don't think Tibet's actually doing they anything. They had significant protests in Tibet okay. last year. Yeah, because and people of the, uh, were rounded election. up and beaten. Okay, some were probably shot. It, th- th- and and, and they're still part of it's Tibet, but they're still ruled by China. Yeah, yeah China's not going anywhere on Tibet either. And you know they're going to have to stand. I'm not saying that uh, you know peaceful revolution is going to work in every uh, every instance, but I think the United States is a better place to do it. It's certainly stick with nonviolence as much as it is possible. More on the way here. 800-259-9231. What are your thoughts on secession? Should it stay peaceful? It's Free Talk Live. Hey, this is Mike. This is Jamie from Wheels Off Liberty inviting you to join us on our weekly podcast about freedom that even two idiot rednecks like us can understand. Take it from the only two hosts that have been gay married, had an Xbox playing pot-induced honeymoon, and then got gay divorced. We believe in liberty for everyone. So join us every week on www.wheelsoffliberty.com for a -a one-of-a-kind take on liberty and freedom. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. It's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. 
And Mark, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they are free. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. We, of course, were talking to Judge Andrew Napolitano at the beginning of the show about his brand new book, uh, Dred Scott's Revenge. You can pick that, up, uh, pick that up, of course, at amazon.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Again, amazon.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Jeremy in Wisconsin. Jeremy in Rhode Island. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeremy. Jeremy, Rhode Island, going once. Jeremy is gone. All right, well, what we were talking about and what Jeremy was going to comment on, from my understanding, was the whole uh, – we're talking about secession and whether or not uh, it can be done with or without violence. Uh, Mark, you and myself are taking the uh, the peaceful uh, route. Nick, you're talking about well, – I um, want to make it clear that I think it can and should be done without violence. But what what the scenario was that you'd come up with was if New Hampshire or some other state does manage to successfully secede, so from a political perspective, go through whatever process to tell the federal government, hey, we're done with you, then the federal government comes in. Your suggestion was that if they're beginning to round people up and that sort of thing and, and, and hurt folks that are in the state that seceded, that at that point it's okay in your mind to, to use violence on those people, right? Yes, I I, I think so. I mean... It's it's it would be a very difficult position to be in because obviously unenviable you, right yeah. obviously you wouldn't know I mean it's a hypothetical situation but let's say it did pan out mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that the federal I, I I actually think it's somewhat unlikely that if you had a state where the majority of people were pushing for secession which I'm sure would have to be the case to actually see a state secede from the union yeah. I find it difficult to believe that if that state is being peaceful up until that point you're just going to have the feds sending in the military or the ATF or whoever they send in to just start beating people and arresting people. I, I agree with you. I, I think that's unlikely. I don't think that's the age we live in anymore. But that's what people believe will happen. I agree with you. I think it's unlikely because of what Mark was talking about, because we have cameras, because we have the ability to communicate unlike they did back in the 1800s. Things are completely different today, and I think that you're right. I think it, they would leave uh, this, uh, whatever state decides to secede first alone, because if they get violent, then it just makes them look that much worse to the rest of the people in the country. Uh, and I, I, I think you're completely justified in defending yourself in those situations. I just don't know if that will lead to anything really positive in the long run i just it's hard for me to get behind that uh because like mark said they're prepared for that they're ready to uh to handle people that are violent with them that's what they're looking for they but know ready what to, to handle do. nonviolent people too they arrest tens of thousands of nonviolent people for drug offenses every year they can just they well, can throw you in a cage just like the violent folks. And yeah. nobody seems to care that they're doing that by the way. They've been doing it for decades. Some do. And uh, we're, I mean I'm trying People to People don't look at, too, at pot smokers or drug users as uh civil disobedience or nonviolent people. They look at them as uh the dregs of society that must be kept off the street. I'm not sure that they would view secessionists as any different. I think they, I think they do. If uh, <laughs> secessionists will be getting up and giving speeches, you won't be seeing that from the pot smokers. They just won't do it. Hmm. You might be right on that. All I'm trying, I mean, I'm what I'm trying to say is, you know, nonviolent resistance might work. It might produce what you're looking for. I think it's a difficult position to be in because you don't know if they're planning on rounding you up and putting you in jail for a year. 
or a week it's tough. or the rest of your life. Right. You, you have to go into it with the attitude like Sam um, had, uh, uh, you know, Sam Dudson, our uh, co-host on, I don't know, Thursday nights maybe? No, that's uh, Dale on Thursdays. Uh, okay, Friday sometimes. Sometimes in when we can get him in. Sometime co-host on, uh, here on the show who uh, just re- recently got out of jail for uh, refusing to, uh, you know, give his name, so enacting his right to remain silent and his right to uh, film in a court lobby, uh, the freedom of the press. He went into this saying, "I'm going to ride this baby to the end," and he did. And it looks like he's going. To, he has a you know a case in court that is going to, you know, really really amount to something. He's got he's got some good uh, legs to stand on on this one. But what's that have to do with? I, I, don't, I mean, I don't. Yeah, he was, I, saying, I, I, he was I, saying that uh, they're going to take people and throw them in. And you don't know whether or not. Um, you know, you don't know how long you're going to go, and you've got to be prepared well, if you're going to go to go. I don't want to diminish what Sam is doing at all, but he has a I, he had I. I've asked him what the maximum amount of time he's looking at if things go worst case scenario, yep. and he knows. I think he said three years, at worst. So he knows he's not going to spend any more than three years in jail, and to a large extent, you know, he chose to to take that route. He can get. He could get out of it probably at any point if he decided to say, "Give them a deal. I'll plead guilty. Make it go away." Yeah. But when you're being rounded up for simply expressing your ideas or voting, uh, and you're facing you know an indeterminate period of detention, I think a government that is willing to go to those lengths where they're rounding people up wholesale, it's a it's a more dangerous situation you know, to be in, and you're probably facing serious oppression as sure. opposed to you're going to be at that, I think you know either you're going to face oppression or you're not and I I do know what we're going to get if we continue to do what we have done with the government up to this point um, more oppression we, we're just going to get steady growth of the government until finally uh you know they they're taking all of our money and they look like a combination of uh, North Korea and Sweden mm-hmm. you know it just <laughs> it's it's not going to be pretty and you know we're going to get more of what we've gotten uh, you know, when it comes to secession, it's an idea, and maybe maybe we won't have to secede. Maybe the federal government will implode under its own weight uh, due to the you know overprinting of Federal Reserve notes, and you know uh, stuff with China, and you know like the financial situation looks really crappy. That's the best case scenario, but if you're coming down to secession, you're you're at a point where you, you've you've got to kind of throw in and say well, this is the this is the best I can hope for. Yeah. I, 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 I think if we get to the point where secession is a reality or is even a, a probability, you know, something that's you know reasonable to expect in the near-term future, which I don't believe it is at the moment, uh, I, I think to get the people in a particular state or people in America in general to want to sever their ties with the federal government, it's going to require either a, a change in ideas, so people are going to have to become a lot more... Opposed to, right, yeah. opposed to government and in favor of personal liberty, or the government is going to have to become significantly more tyrannical without people really changing their ideas very much. So in either one of those situations, I, I think you've reached a point where drawing a line in the sand is not as suicidal as it is today. I mean, you'd likely be dealing with a, a nation state that's already in its death throes once states start breaking off. And they're probably not going to be able to pay members of the military, let alone suppress, you know, states that want to break off. I, I think that's a lot more likely. Well, okay, and if that's all, like, if that's all true, and it may very well be, 
uh, then that would mean that it would be that much more difficult for them to pay to keep you in a jail cell if uh, if you were doing peaceful, uh, nonviolent resistance, or not resistance, but uh, but non-cooperation and, and things like that. If you had a, a mass movement of non-cooperation, uh, you would uh, you would already have a lot of people on your side because you were in a secession movement that had already gotten to the point of seceding, and you would still, if they did arrest you or round you up, then there's still a chance that maybe it would be seven months or seven years later that you'd be able to get out and walk out and go to your the, the, the place that seceded at that point. Whereas if you are violent in response, then there is a very good chance you're just going to be snuffed out, and then you'll have zero percent chance of ever seeing the light of day uh, again in this lifetime. I would agree. I think in many circumstances, nonviolent resistance is a far better idea because you can live... If you win, you can live to enjoy the result. Right. I'm that's, just saying that that's the point you that I want to read. I, you see, because if you you have to work in a group, otherwise you're just a nut, right? Just like us three in this room yeah. talking about secession in New Hampshire, and they have no intention of seceding. You're just a fringe lunatic. If you so you therefore you have to deal with people. You have to uh, deal with those people either from the point of view that we do not accept violence in any way, shape, or form. Or you deal with them the, from the point of, you got the right to keep and bear arms, brother, hallelujah, let's go and break off. Uh, like, that kind of conversation is going to, you know, bring about feelings in other people. And, you know, it's going to attract a certain type of person to your movement, and it's going to bring about feelings in the people that are in the movement. And those feelings could be, I got the right to keep and bear arms. Federal government's coming here and, and initiating force on me, and I'll take care of that. And at which point you've got the guy who's firing on the fort, and you didn't do it. And then you're dealing with – your group is dealing with the situation of the guy firing on the fort. And that's far worse to me, in, from my mind than uh, you know, trying to <laughs> – dealing with whatever problems might come from complete pacifism. There's going to be problems either way. Right, because not everybody's going to be on board. Even advocating, and you don't even get secession. Just advocating for secession, which is, the, to me, the only solution. I, I think there I think there's a clear difference for a rational person between blowing up a federal building, say, which would be firing on the fort, and defending yourself in your home from what could very well be some kind of a gulag or a death camp. You don't get the choice of death camps. We've got story after story of guys that the you know the, the government has come to get that either decide that they're going to fire or not decide, and they don't know ahead of time whether they're going to no, get you don't. taken it's a away. It's difficult choice, and one I hope we never have to make. Hour three is coming up. You dial in. This is Free Talk Live. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. On your feet! I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the U.S. military, reserves, or National Guard, you have special rights and privileges earned through your service to your country, including special VA loan programs not available to the general public. You could purchase a new home with no down payment or refi your home up to 100% of your home's equity. You've earned these benefits through your dedication and service. iFreedom Direct, a direct VA lender, can help you discover whether you and your property qualify. Get the details at varadio.com. That's varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. 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 This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Hour number three is what we're starting up right now. You can dial in at 1 800 259 9231. 
That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features free. Enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. All right, we're going to continue here. Uh, We'll take your calls if you make them. Otherwise, we go uh, back into Mark's email box. Mark, do you have something to share with us? I do. Um, This one is from Mitchell, and he uh, has some comments about... uh, how things are going here in uh, Keene and the Free State Project and those kind of things. The Free State Project, of course, is a movement uh, encouraging thousands of liberty-minded individuals to converge, to pick up their lives, and move here to New Hampshire in order to get active for freedom. Perhaps you're already active for freedom where you are. Well, bring your activism here. Perhaps you've never been active before. Come on up here and learn the ropes because and, this is where freedom is going to happen. And it's really decentralized. People decide what they want to do, how they want to do it. Um, you know, some of them have run for office. Uh, some of them write letters to the editor, and some of them, uh, you know, do diff- sorts of diff- civil disobedience that, uh, you know, they're all different kinds of civil. And that decentralized aspect has been very confusing to the status quo, those who support the the existing state and the way things are, because they believe that the Free State Project is pulling the strings of the activists. They believe that we're all reporting to, I mean, when I say we, you and I, Mark, are free staters. Nick, you lived here, you've lived here your whole life. Uh, but they believe that, that we are being controlled by some shadowy organization that is handing down orders from on high. Okay, you and Ian need to do this radio show. Sam, you need to go in and hold that camera in the courtroom, and none of that could be further from the truth. Uh, what's really happening is that each individual is deciding for themselves what to do, who to associate with, and what uh, what activism to get on board with. And and it, it's frustrating for libertarians, people uh, that you know, liberty-minded individuals who are watching the Free State Project, either you know from the outside um, or from the inside, uh, that they would like certain people to do things differently, and. All along, that hasn't been the case. There have been civil disobedience uh, working in the Free State Project all along, and people have said, oh, you're poisoning the well, you're doing things wrong, and it would be a lot easier. It really would. If you could get 20,000 liberty-minded individuals to follow orders and to go do what you said, you say... That would it, it would probably work out really great, and I would like to encourage anyone who thinks that they can pull that uh, that project off to go ahead and do it. Tell twenty thousand tell twenty thousand people to go to a particular state uh, and to have their you know effect on the state government by either by uh, civil disobedience or through the system or whatever way you think is best. You get those folks motivated. Good luck. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> not going to happen. Um, right. And one can try to motivate them through ridicule or uh, you know begging or whatever, but I have found it to be completely ineffectual. Uh, you know what? I'm going to get to the email, but George just dialed in. Let's get to his call here first, uh, listening to KBYO-FM in Monroe, Louisiana, or actually I think you're in Ruston. George, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, man. Hey, hey George. What's on How your y'all mind How you doing, though? Hey, just Good. super. What's on your mind tonight? Go ahead. Uh, y'all were talking about the... Uh, uh, the fella here while while ago was talking about you know people going to jail over simple possession charges and um, going to jail over this and that and the other and all this mm-hmm. um, and you know there's a I, I'm 58 years old I've been smoking dope since 1968 so that's what they, they give me how long does that give me that's uh, many most many of your years life. of dope smoking that's 40 <laughs> that's 40 plus years. Oh, uh, okay, and, and I, I've never, um, the police around where I live, they know I smoke dope. Mm. Simple possession charges, wait a minute, no, 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 wait a minute. Simple possession charges is no reason to uh, uh, create a um, 
uh, a charge against what's wrong. You know, I th- are you trying to say days. that people who possess marijuana should be left alone? Because if that's the case, I completely agree with you. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. if you don't if you don't go down to the wrong side of town every two or three days and buy an ounce and a half, you know, I mean, why in the world should the police bother you? you now, know wait a minute. Saying? You told us last night, George, that you live in a trailer park. Don't tell me you have to actually leave the trailer park to find the weed. No, no, I do not. Okay. No, I have worked it out where I don't have to leave here. Damn right. But, you know, I ain't got, look, I'm not going to tell on myself now. Okay? No, There sure. might be people listening. I'm with you, George. I, I, mean, I don't want to get into it. Into too much, but but I want to take the discussion beyond that. Okay. Okay. There there are people that are willing to sacrifice their self for more important things. Sure. And, and that's all well and good, and it really is. It's all well and good. I like to consider it an investment personally. I don't know okay. if. Okay. Well, all right. Well, I well, think sacrifice it uh, suggests that it, there's a loss and no gain uh, capable as a result of that, and I think that. Uh, that the, the people like Sam, who put their freedom on the line, who made a stand for uh, for liberty and ended up going to jail, in Sam's case, for uh, for almost two full months. Some people are going to look at that as a sacrifice. I think it was an investment for the future of liberty, personally. If, if anybody ends up with a police at their door and they go to jail, they have a right to discuss what they went to jail over and make a deal out of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling you tonight to to belittle anybody that's willing to go to jail over their confirmation of their rights. It's those and, people and, that have been, I think, some of the most persuasive and effective activists in in the history of mankind. Are those who are willing to uh, to give up what semi freedoms that they have in order to be put into a jail cell to make a stand for what they truly believe in? I think that's that's really a courageous thing. It is, and I don't mean to belittle that. I, I don't hear do you belittling them. Belittle that. Uh, we've we've had discussions in the past where uh, you you folks and I have well, we more or less disagreed about some things, and I got a little bit ignorant, and because I, my commitment to what I'm trying to explain or what I'm trying to say is very important to me. So, what are Just you like, trying to say? Okay, all right, okay, all right. Break it there down. are. Things that that there are there are things that are coming, and and the things that are coming are due to a campaign. Okay, let me go back. Two we years can't go ago. back. We're going to run out of time. You got to you got to okay, wrap it up. All right. Up. Well, let me just read real quick. Then two years ago, I listened to CNN about a campaign of a of the first black man going to be the president of our country. And and I, I I kept hearing them talking about the the freedom of our country and what we could achieve. We could be united. We could be united, and we all going to unite. Where this is the United States of America. Not only did that campaign go astray, not only did that whole thing go awry. But but now we're in a different situation where we're not united in it. We're, United America is not united anymore. When was it united? I mean, what well, does it, it was mean? never united. But this whole campaign of this 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 individual that that wanted to become our first black um, uh, black president and all of his uh, constituents that nobody's united. 
Nobody united. And, well, and, of course, and, the politician is going to say one thing and do another. I don't know why anyone is surprised about this. I mean, is anybody really shocked that Barack Obama made promises and then didn't follow through or did the opposite? <laughs> he really did George the opposite. W. Bush made promises he didn't come through exactly. with. Exactly. They're all one and the don't same. Make no di- it doesn't make any difference whatsoever who the campaign, who, who the president's name is. Absolutely. Or what color he is. Yep. It don't make no difference. You nailed it tonight, the George. Pro- the the problem is, the problem is, hmm. there are things coming that people need to understand. There's things coming. This whole thing is going to be way more important than somebody going to jail over a marijuana charge. Well, or I... somebody going to jail because some lawman that pulled them over is in a pissy-ass attitude. I thank you for the call tonight, George. I understand where you're coming from suggesting that... Uh... When, when we look back later on, that people going to jail for marijuana might pale in comparison for people going to jail uh, to, for other things like treason or free speech uh, violations or hate speech or whatever it might be. But I think it just all depends on your perspective. I mean, it's easy to dismiss marijuana smokers as not being important, but I think the freedom of every man and every woman and every uh, child is important. And regardless of the reason or the excuse that the government bureaucrats have for putting that person behind bars, if they have not harmed another person, if there is no victim to their supposed crime, then I think it's all equal because you're taking away someone's freedom from them. If we're going to stop even more draconian victimless crimes from becoming reality, we have to address the victimless crimes that exist today, whether they seem draconian or not. And that is going to take, I think, more civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and I look forward to it. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. They include... The live streams. We've got a broadband version, a dial-up version, even a webcam. All of them are free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever or wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose every genre. Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL and get your free audiobook right now. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. And they have all kinds of titles over there. What was this, over 60,000? 60,000. This is something, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, Horse Soldiers by... Doug Stanton and Michael Conley's The Scarecrow. All right, let's continue with your calls about whatever you want. Gene, the Christian anarchist on the amp line. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live. Guys, I wanted to uh, jump back in about what I called on yesterday because Guard kind of threw a straw dog in there when I, right at the end when I got cut off. What was, and, uh, uh, what was the topic? I made it clear when I started the topic that what I was calling about was in, in support of racists. The people that are uh, that are guilty, I suppose, of uh, racism. Yeah, you said that and we should embrace end, racists, right? Right. And at the end, he switched that over and said that I was talking about racism, that I was trying to support racism, and that's not it at all. I'm not saying that racism is a good thing. I'm saying that everybody is at some stage in their life 
a uh, a racist. They're they're going through a stage, a learning process, if mm-hmm. you will, from birth to death. And at some point, we're all guilty of some kind of racism. And to say that you need to throw all the racists out and not embrace the racists because they're racist, uh, I mean, you you can't just say you can't. No, well, yes, you know, I can say that, Gene. And the reason why I want to reject racists and uh, want to disassociate from them is because there are plenty of prospects out there for liberty that I would much rather spend my time on. I don't have the uh, the ability to spend my time on everybody out there when there are people that are better off, uh, that I am better off spending my time on. And I, for one, don't want to be associated with racists. I find them absolutely despicable. And I'm really not that desperate for recruits to where I want to buddy up with these people. As far as recruiting but, people to the, the freedom message. You are anyway. I mean, you already are, because I just made the point that everybody is a racist to some extent. I don't so agree with you there. Racist. What you're suggesting well, there is that in their minds, they're thinking racist things. And if that's true, I don't know. There's no way to prove that's well, true. Everybody has a preference. You know, some people prefer blondes, you know. And some that's different from racism. Redheads. It's not, really. I, I prefer that, brunettes. That, that doesn't level. mean I'm racist against bl- blondes. I don't hate blondes for being blonde. Well, and, and most racists don't necessarily hate uh, other races. They just want to be separate from them. There's a difference between Is hating really somebody true? and just not wanting to be around them. Now, there are racists out there that hate other races. I won't deny that. There mm-hmm. are black people that hate white people, you know. And there are Chinese people that hate Japanese, and they almost look alike, so... Um, the the point I'm getting at is if you throw uh, people out that could be in the movement just because of an idea they have that's wrong, everybody has some ideas that are wrong. And if you throw people out because they don't meet some test in your mind, then you're throwing out people that could wind up, number one, they could they could turn around in a, in a short time. Then you let them come them. after they've turned right. around. I want to express to those people, the people that are racist, which is, according to the dictionary, a belief or doctrine that inherent differences among vi- various human races determine cultural or individual achievement, usually the in- usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and have the, has the right to rule other, over others. I want to tell people that are racist that I want nothing to do with them and that eventually, if they want to join our movement and if they want to be accepted, they're going to have to reject these nonsensical ideas of hating somebody based on, in many cases, the color of their skin or the, pl- uh, the plot of land they were born on. And eventually, and if they turn around, if our movement is so desirable at some point that they decide, man, I don't want to be ostracized by these liberty lovers anymore, I think I'm going to come to the conclusion that uh, that black people and uh, Hispanic people are fine, and Chinese people, I like them too, and you know, people are just people, human beings are individuals and should be judged based on their individual actions. If they come to that uh, conclusion, Conclusion, then I'll say, welcome back. We're glad to have you here. I'm glad you've come to that conclusion. But I'm not going to go pal around with these folks until they, co- until they come to those conclusions. I think some ostracism is deserved here, Gene. Well, I, I think that uh, you can certainly take people and try to lead them by the hand, by example. You can tell them, you know, uh, you know you're welcome to come here and join our movement. But if you think that we're going to jump on your racist propaganda you're wrong and you can just you can teach them you can you can use the <laughs> I'm just trying Gene, have, have you heard they, Scott call in from Massachusetts have you heard his calls not, to this show I'm not talking about extreme people I mean there's a lot of extreme people out there there are extreme Christians out there now you're going to say that 
extreme Christians can't come. There are extreme Jews out there. Are you going to say that that Jews can't come if you're a if you're a uh, die in the wood? Uh, uh, um, I'm going to say they can't hang out with me if they hate other people for their you know for uh, for where they were born. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Okay, but they can still come to uh, New Hampshire and be part of the Free State Project. Nobody's going to no. stop them. Um, Advocating, if, if, they're, if adv- they're an outspoken, uh, uh, you know, on the internet or whatever, if, if a lot of the literature that they have out there is anti a particular race they or allowed ethnicity, in the they're not going to be. They're oh. they're going to be kicked out. And I think that that is best. Now, I'm not talking about your average racist, where you know some person may believe you know, that that. Uh, you know, they, they may have you know some sort of ethnocentric beliefs that uh, one particular you know race is different from another, or that they shouldn't mix or something like that. But they keep their mouth shut about it. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about are people that are outspoken, that are selling the name of liberty by being bigots. And unfortunately, Gene, the that that's the first place that anyone goes. And you'll recall with the Free Town Project, which is completely unrelated to the Free State Project that they're still dragging out this one guy who I believe was in Florida um, who made some comments about, uh, you know, opening brothels and, and things like that. They'll find those, the detractors will find the worst case scenario and they'll drag that guy out and they'll oh, shake him in front of the you, press. You have such people in Free State Project already. I mean, you have some people that are that are flaming homosexuals, for instance, and they will take those people out and they'll use them as an example and say, look what... Look what Free State Project. Yeah, is that's doing. not my I've concern. Never heard of it. That, but that's but, not my concern. I, I see where Mark's coming but, from. For me, that's but, not the issue. I'm not concerned with that. But, what I'm concerned are, with is who I associate throwing, with. You are not throwing those people out. You're not saying that. Oh, well, we're going to dis, uh, disassociate with those people. You're only disassociating with certain people that you find distasteful. Now, yeah. there's a lot and of we have that prerogative. Why? Why in the world would I not associate with people that I find distasteful? I don't associate it with people that I find distasteful either, but I'm saying that they can come and be a part of the Free State Project no. because no, they we can't. need all the bodies. No, that, that are, no, that are they can't, and, and we do not. Thank you, Gene, for the call. They cannot uh, be a part of the Free State Project if they are racist. Not if they're an outspoken racist on the internet. If I find out that they, if I find. Bigot, b- bigotry is basically a no-no, and that's that is yeah. said on the Free State Project website. And if it comes out, then they're gonna find. Then the the Free State Project will find out about it, and they should be kicked out because uh, I want nothing to do with them. Not that I'm in charge of the Free State Project. I'm not. Uh, more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, free. So enjoy those on us. And freetalklive.com, the features include our mobile site. If you are one with a smartphone, you can use our mobile site to tune in live and listen to archive or listen to um, our yeah, I think you can listen to archives and you can definitely listen to the looping uh, streams 20 the other 21 hours a day when we don't do a live show. You can listen to it all at m.freetalklive.com. M stands for mobile. That's m.freetalklive.com on your smartphone. All right, let's continue and take your calls about anything. Daniel is in Mexico, and you're on Free Talk Live. Daniel. Hello? Hey, you're on the air. 
All right, thank you. Uh, did you want to talk about sensation? Uh, you want to talk about what? Sensation. About the idea that you have about New Hampshire going out of the United States. Ah, secession, yes, sir. Right, okay. Basically, I want to uh, discuss the example of Cuba. Mm -hmm. Cuba was part of, like, uh, the way Puerto Rico is part of the United States. It was something that used to be with Cuba back in the 50s. So when the revolution came, the revolution took over power and, and started his own government. Regardless if the, the, the Cuban government is communist, uh, the United States has been putting a pressure over, the, over the, the Cuban people and government. And I think that could happen to New Hampshire in case that you guys prove that uh, the system you are proposing is better than the one there is right now in you the think, well, Let me see if I understood what you said there. You're saying that uh, the Cuban government has been essentially oppressed. There's an embargo against them by the U.S. government. You're suggesting that should New Hampshire or Vermont or whoever, uh, whichever state end up seceding, that the U.S. government would embargo that uh, particular seceded state? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically, I think that will be what will happen if, if you guys uh, go ahead and succeed from the United States. It's a possibility. Were, uh, that would require them to, you know, you know, start putting up border patrol checkpoints around in Vermont and yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah, it's going to be an expensive embargo. Um, you know, currently the embargo for the United States against Cuba just says, hey, you can't take your boats from uh, Cuba to the United States. and uh, you, you know, can't deal. fly down there either. Right. Well, you're, you're not allowed to do business um, or go there in any way, shape, or yeah. form, and it's a little easier to enforce, whereas New Hampshire has uh, borders, you know, with, with Maine, Vermont, uh, Massachusetts, a lot and of people Quebec. with family. Yeah, we, we also share. We we have our own sea coast, so I mean, we have access to the rest of the world, um, and you know, we have access to Canada. And Quebec is a secessionist region of Canada. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, probably the the most likely to secede from Canada. So I'm sure they'd happily sell us things. Uh, I I would think so. I mean, yeah. the U.S. would probably put pressure on the Canadian government, but there's only so much. It's a unique situation because there's only so much pressure Canada can really put on Quebec without forcing them out. So they, they really tiptoe around with Quebec, and Quebec would want to trade with New Hampshire. So we're sort of protected in that sense. Yeah, there are all kinds of scary what-if scenarios that you can play out along with the idea of secession. Uh, but for me, it's uh, it's a non-issue. I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do, and we need to do, we need to do what's right for us, and that is get the hell out of uh, this federal government. Thanks, Daniel, for the call tonight. I all appreciate right. hearing from you at 800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line. Mark, let's get back into that email. Uh, somebody with some questions or, or or critique or whatever about the liberty movement here in New Hampshire and more specifically the Keene area, which, of course, is we've talked about the Free State Project moving liberty activists here. The Keene area seems to be attracting more of the outside-the-system voluntarist types, and some people are, are critical of that. I don't know if this is going to be a critical email, but go ahead. It is. I uh, just started listening to some of the more recent podcasts since uh, you mentioned that you were going to talk about a different type of pacifism, which sounds interesting. I couldn't figure out which podcast actually contained the segments, but I saw a couple of um, with Quaker in them. I'm wondering how Sam and your co-hosts on the 6-4 uh, show uh, function in society. Um, the short answer to that is uh, Sam functions very well. He was a some kind of engineer type at uh, one of the you know large telecommunications company mm -hmm. making very good money. He uh, interacts well with people. 
Uh, I was just on the radio this past weekend with a couple of the city councilors and had a very pleasant uh, half-hour-long conversation with them. I trade emails uh, with one of them uh, frequently, and our I think our relationship has grown over the last few years in their understanding of where I come from and. We always have a cordial conversation, so I I feel like I function fairly fairly effectively. Yep. Um, now they they I guess uh, Sam and the co-hosts don't sound too bright. Um, from my from my experience, Ian is uh, although maybe not the the most adept at social situations, one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. Um, that isn't really great to debate all the time, but uh, you know it's it, it it's just the truth. Well, I'm certainly no social butterfly, but I can get along. I can go along and get along. I mean, I can strike up a conversation. I, I've practiced the art of listening, and uh, I'm, pr- I'm pretty decent at uh, conversing with people I've never met before. So he says, based on their approach to filming in courtrooms, they sound like a bunch of teenage stoners. And That's right. It's childish to go and uh, bring a video camera into a court. You know, it's I, childish, right? I understand where he's uh, what, what he's trying to say here. To some extent, it does sound childish. Petulant children, one, et cetera, et cetera. First off, stoners don't do anything. Um, you know, well, it, it, well, that's tell me, true. Tell me about those teenage stoners that are out there being. Active. Please, let's be fair. Most people don't do anything. I used yep. to believe what you're saying, Mark, but because uh, I was heavily in in the world of the uh, the drug culture, mm-hmm. and the, I saw a lot of do nothings. But the reality is. I've done general outreach in the liberty movement to and a lot of the, uh, yeah I've been to uh, gun shows le- gay and lesbian pride fests and I've been to uh, uh, this ca- county fairs the county fair you've got everybody coming up to you yep. and I can tell you that 99.9 percent of the people that I met at those uh, events did nothing so go Mitchell ahead. goes on. From the limited amount of uh, listening I've done to the show, maybe 10 or 12 hours worth, I gather that the goal of all of you collectivist terms, <laughs> is to change New Hampshire by having enough people move there and share that share your political philosophy so that you can change the laws. Sounds right? That's, I think, the goal of some of the people in the Free State Project, probably the mo- majority change, of change them. Change the laws? Yeah, I think the majority of the people in the Free State Project and liberty activists in New Hampshire are inside the system. Let's work within the well, system. Well, even place. outside the system, I mean, if your goal is to abolish coercive government... That's changing the laws if you make them go away. So this it's, is still, true. it's still a political reform in that sense. I, I don't care if they if they change the laws. I just want them to stop enforcing bad laws. Like, that would be good enough for me. But, yeah, if they can change them, that's fine, too. Now he goes off into some uh, uh, you know personal stories about uh, why he, he believes this is a better idea. But he says, so why don't these brilliant co-hosts and free staters focus on electing their own instead of running up um, criminal records? Are there so oh, many no. of them disqualified from voting and holding office that they have um, that they have to try to change the laws by pestering the legally elected representatives? Okay, um, let's go into that first off. Uh, in New Hampshire and most of the United States, you are not limited by criminal charges from voting. So I can vote here. I'm a convicted murderer, and you don't get much more serious than that. Mm-hmm. So um, that no, no one's limited from from that respect, and. If the reason that we're in the Free State Project is basically because we've figured out that voting doesn't work, yes, um, these certainly people, on a federal level, yeah, yeah. voting, where the Free State Project exists because people concluded that libertarian spread out over a large right. area doesn't work. Working. 
a lot of the architects of the whole idea were were focused on the political aspect. Yeah. So it's a little bit disingenuous to say that the, the people who came up with the idea said voting doesn't work. Well, certainly voting is the way, I guess I should voting have said, voting the way that we were it. doing it previously yeah. wasn't working. And the vast majority of free staters are doing exactly that. There are uh, six people that are uh, Free State Project members or friends of Free State Project uh, voted into the New Hampshire House. Um, there are uh, all over the state people in selectman positions and all kinds of positions in their local governments. Sure, there's, and there's going to be more coming up in 2008. Uh, this year is uh, our municipal elections here in 2000, yep. excuse me, 2010, Nine. rather. This is 2009. Yep. This year's municipal elections, there will be people running uh, for those offices as well. But it sounds to me like he's just another apologist uh, for the status quo, well, an apologist just for the state. And I, I want to get uh, to a little more. Is there more of this yeah, here? Yeah, it goes right. on. 800-259-9231 is the number. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. To suggest that we're pestering these uh, the, these political people, that we're pestering them, how about they stop pestering us by throwing peaceful people in prison cells for not harming anybody else? How about they stop that? It's Free Talk Live. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board, expose new people to the ideas of freedom, and you get perks, too, like access to the AMP only call in lines, chat room, forum, and more. The details are at amp.freetalklive.com. Mark, how much more of this email do we have to, to get through here? Well, uh, it's it probably a, a bit more. I okay, don't a little. If it's a bit more, let's uh, let's get through the rest of it because we do have some people that want to talk. So okay. Go ahead. Let's see. Um, and, and Mitchell continues. I can't imagine that it would uh, take more than a few good ideas and a few thousand votes to change the makeup of the city or county councils then the free staters could simply change or eliminate the laws they don't like. In fact, I imagine that their changes are positive for the area, and they would eventually eliminate all the laws and simply contract out the services to a call center in Bangalore, India, and no longer uh, and uh, uh, you know call in illegal aliens to take care of the rest. So he's critiquing the outside-the-system, non-cooperative activists. He's saying, why are you even bothering with this? Why don't you just use the system? Same old kind of critique, right? Yeah, and um, that if the ideas are good ones, that they, they will work. And I... I um, I'd like to point out that I live in a town where there essentially are no ordinances, none. Um, mm-hmm. There's a few ordinances on how you can build and where you can build, and you know what are what that you know some zoning laws. But I have the ordinances ordinances of the town, and they are 33 pages long, and they're typed so you can read them. Big. I'll be damned. They're photocopied. Yeah. Now certainly it's a, a city like Keene, which is the next uh, town over for me. Uh, well. Much, much more extensive as far yeah. as uh, their laws, and they're so big that you can't, you know, some of the just the 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 building codes are so big you can't do anything with them. But right. um, you don't have, I don't have, we don't have to do that in New Hampshire. I've got that much freedom from where you are already. Mm. What um, focusing on local government with a couple of thousand votes, it's not going to do crap because it's the state that gives the towns the the power. I could take over my local government and I wouldn't really achieve anything except uh, people could build where they wanted to build. Yeah, well, and the state, if they didn't like you, could just dissolve your government and say, right. okay, we're going to start a new one now with our buddies in charge. The, the budget like for my town is 80% the school. If but, we decide to stop paying for the school, then that's not going to do it. But the, you know what? My biggest problem with these uh, these critics 
the people that say, well, you guys, why are you doing all this uh, non-cooperation, civil disobedience? Why don't you just work in the system? Well, first of all, there are plenty of people that are working in the system. Second of all, there are a number of people that believe that there's something inherently immoral and wrong about working within the system because it essentially endorses the system, which is a system based on coercive violence, a monopoly on force. And I respect that, though I do myself do both. I am involved in supporting the non-cooperation and doing, um, doing some myself. Uh, I am also invo- involved in helping people with their candidacies and calling the representatives occasionally. I will take any, ass- any uh, direct I can to get to more freedom. And the fact is, on a political level, your opportunities are really limited. I mean, yes, if there's a bill in uh, session at the moment, you can go and comment on it and all that, which really doesn't seem to do very much. But, you know, you can take action on that. I go up three or four times a year to the uh, the, the, the capital in but, order to comment on these But things. otherwise, you have to wait until an election time, which luckily in New Hampshire is more often than in some other states. You've got to wait two years before you've got another crack at getting somebody elected. In the meantime, what else are you supposed to do? Why not get active? in the marketplace. Why not do uh, non-cooperation and civil disobedience? It does make a difference. I think that the, the non-cooperation and the civil disobedience, they've certainly encouraged a lot more people to move. And that's the first thing. I mean, The Boston Globe article came out of the market-based activism. The, the Probably one of the biggest news stories we've gotten, front page of the, the local section of the Boston Globe, was all about keen area activism. Penn Jillette saw that article. Penn Jillette from the comedian and magician team Penn & Teller. You might know them from uh, Penn & Teller's BS on television. He saw that article, did a video about it on his video blog, Penn says, and since that first video has mentioned moving to Keene in three separate videos. So the, the payoffs have been tremendous. The payoffs can be tremendous. And uh, in a local scene, I, I feel that civil disobedience, it certainly doesn't do any harm if you pick your battles correctly and you handle the PR correctly. Well, like, for instance, Sam's case, if you deal with something where a lot of people will understand your point and are prone to agree with you, like if it's a free speech issue, mm-hmm. freedom of the press, like Sam's case really was, or uh, even a little bit more controversial when Andrew Carroll was protesting drug laws. It wasn't like he would, you know, put out a press release saying he was running a meth lab out of a garage. <laughs> right. And, you know, you could essentially make yeah. the same arguments, but simply holding, standing there and holding a bag of marijuana. Pretty benign. It's, it, it appears pretty benign to the average person. Well, Mitchell doesn't quite get that out of the, uh, the civil disobedience. What he says Where's here. Mitchell, by the way? Where is he? Just generally. Not in New Hampshire. He's not in New Hampshire, He's in South Carolina. Okay. Um, It says that, I don't see how the whining and civil disobedience will accomplish anything more than annoying voters that agree with their goals of reducing government, um, annoying the ones that agree with the goals of reducing government. Based on the whining that goes on in the show, I wouldn't want one of those crazy people in my town council, and I'd vote for tyranny before I'd vote for a crazy stoner. Okay, so it's whining uh, when we decide to go and hold a video camera in a courtroom court lobby it's whining when somebody stands out in public with uh with a a piece of marijuana in their hand if that's the way you want to interpret it that's your problem mitchell thanks for the email i you know i all i can say is i i understand apparently apparently it was whining when uh rosa parks decided to uh sit down in the in the front of the bus the way you present your case can make a bit of a difference and I, i i think if you don't explain where you're coming from and why you're doing what you're doing and, and really explain the ideas behind it. If you're too sanctimonious about it, 
you you can kind of turn people off. So I think it's important to make it, it clear where you're coming from, why you're doing it. And I see where you're coming from, and I think that we well, I think we've done a fine job. I and mean, we have our own blog, and we've had newspaper articles written about us. And you can't control that to some extent. You can do your best, and then it's it's out there, and what happens happens. It sounds to me like Mitchell's the one that's whining and complaining. Well, I'd like to encourage him to uh, look further into the Free State Project that he may not be interpreting everything the um, correctly today. Let's uh, continue with your phone calls. Kirk is on the line listening to WSVG in Mount Jackson, Virginia. Kirk, you're on Free Talk Live. As I tell you, when I've caught you a couple of times, I can barely hear you here. I'm on a cell phone on I-81. And the first time I heard you, you guys were talking about uh, taking cameras into court, which I think is everybody's uh, right, at least it should be. In some states like Florida, just about everything is uh, televised, and it would be great, I think, and open a lot of people's eyes if uh, things like the Supreme Court could be televised live like C-SPAN is. But I just wanted to check. I don't know much about your organization, but I heard a caller earlier, I think a gentleman was calling in from Mexico, and he was talking about the session of New Hampshire from the nation. Is that something that your organization is a sponsor of and would support? Well, first of all, I don't know what you mean when you say our organization. If you mean this radio show, Free Talk Live, I would say pretty much all the hosts of Free Talk Live are in support of the idea of secession. If you mean the Free State Project, which is an organization dedicated to moving liberty-loving people to New Hampshire in order to get active for freedom, uh, I don't think the Free we State... are all signers. Uh, well, not Nick, but, uh, uh, yeah. but, uh, but I think that the Free State Project does not take a position on anything like that. The only thing the Free State Project exists for is to move liberty-minded people to New Hampshire. Does that answer your question? question? Well, well, what I what I just like to point out is, you know, I live here in Virginia, and I live literally yards away from a Civil War battlefield where they're just broken markers of maybe 500 dead soldiers with just numbers on their headstones. And that was why we have the Lincoln Memorial, and that was why we gave up 3% of our population to keep the Union united. And what's your project? I think I'm sure you have a lot of worthwhile goals and causes, but to bring up the United States is simply not one of those causes that you should be working towards. Why? We are the United Why? States of America, Why? not the individual. It's a crap States, can deal. Why should we have decided. the federal government? Well, you sound like the South. You guys sound like... Well, uh, you know, John Calhoun in 1820. I think we've, we've moved past that I think the idea as a is, country and a nation. I, well, the country wouldn't exist if it wasn't for people affirming their human right to secede and to create a new government. That, that they is why we, are, are you then advocating the Civil War again in the United no, States? No, no. We were talking about no peace, sir. Did, Obama you must have missed our Kirk. You must have missed our conversation earlier when we talked about being peaceful in secession and not firing on the fort and that, that sort of thing. Not. I think that this that, that that downgrades what some of your honorable goals may be. For instance, the court that I've heard about earlier, which I think is an excellent goal. Because I think you need to work within the goal, and I think speaking of elections, I think the that most the recent election we had shows that change can easily take place. <laughs> what change? change what my change friend? are you talking about? Is all Barack Obama is is George Bush only black? 
for instance, no. For instance, tomorrow yes. the president is going to announce same-sex Kirk, benefits. hey, so we are out of time. Call us back tomorrow night. We're on at 7 Please. o'clock Eastern. We can have this uh, an extended discussion with you. Uh, we're up against the clock here. We start at, I, I think we're on all three hours there in Mount Jackson. Uh, so 7 to 10 o'clock at night Eastern time. Join us again for Free Talk Live. If you call right at the top of the show, spend all kinds of time talking to you about secession. More on the way uh, tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Get on the ground, mother... You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to Child Protective Services. You're busted for possession of marijuana. Hi, I'm Barry Cooper, ex-narcotics officer trained by the DEA. My DVD, Never Get Busted, has recently received world attention. I switched sides and I'm now touring America with the message to end this war on people that has been labeled the war on drugs. Go to Barry's website, NeverGetBusted.com, and order your DVD to Never Get Busted. On it, I'll teach you secret drug enforcement tactics and how to avoid narcotics profiling, how to conceal your stash, and I'll teach you how to fool drug dogs every time. I'll teach you how police know when you're lying, you'll get to go on patrol with me and watch actual marijuana arrest on the highway and learn the mistakes citizens made that landed them in jail. Go to NeverGetBusted.com and arm yourself with the information you need so you'll never have to hear these words. Get on the ground, mother... You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to jail. Log on to NeverGetBusted.com.